Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, if we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power, we will go by your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Well, good morning again. This is hour two of Mornings with Carmen on the 22nd of August, 2022. Good to be with you today. You know, where are we? What are we doing? What's going on where you are? Where are you taking me today? You can always let me know uh, during the show. 877-933-2484 is the number for the text line. So um, people are doing a lot of math, or at least they're forecasting a lot of math these days. There's a lot of people um, determining, let's say, not to have a child um, because they think it's going to be too expensive. They can't. They think they can't afford it. I'm sure my parents couldn't, you know, have afforded me if they had thought about how much it was going to cost them. Um, but I sure am glad they had me, and I sure am glad they raised me. Which leads me to a a piece today in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, this is taking some um, research done by the Brookings Institution, and these estimates are now the cost of raising a child through high school. So what does it cost to raise a child in America? Well, according to the Brookings Institution, the estimate is now over $300,000. So the cost of raising a child through high school has risen to more than $300,000 because of inflation that is running close to a four-decade high. Uh, And that is uh, determined, they have now determined that a married middle-income couple with two children would spend $310,605 Uh, or an average of a little over $18,000 a year to raise a child uh, born in 2015 through the age of 17. Now, I don't know about you, but mine aren't raised by the time they're 17. Like, it's not (laughs) like the cost. It's not like there's not still cost. I mean, you know, I'm I'm 54. I'm still costly to my mother. Um, So when we talk about the cost of raising a child, uh, it's interesting. I mean, you know, it's interesting math. But I would ask this question this morning from a biblical or a gospel worldview. What's the cost of not raising them? What's the cost of not having a child? What's the cost of not raising a child? What's the cost to the child if we don't raise them? What's the cost to the social order when children are left to raise themselves? And what does it mean to raise a child rightly? How much does it cost us when that does not happen? Proverbs 22, 6 reminds us to train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And some of you that are uh, raising prodigals say to yourself, I did that. I trained up my child in the way he should go. And he has, in fact, departed from it. Well, he's not old yet by biblical standards. So let's keep praying. Ephesians four fifteen reminds us that speaking the truth in love, each and every one of us needs to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, each each part working properly makes the whole body grow so that it builds itself up in love. 
That suggests that growing up in Christ and growing up into Christ is a mutual experience. It's not just an individual experience. Consider this. God didn't give us kids just so he could work in their lives through us. God gave us kids so that he could work in our lives through them. I'll say that again. God didn't just give us kids so he could work in their lives through us. God gave us kids so he could work in our lives through them. I'll confess, I have learned a whole lot more about grace and my need for it. In the last 11 years, um, being a part of, of raising six kids with Jim than I ever learned about grace as a single person. So there you go. Let's grow up in every way into Christ. Yes. Is it an expensive proposition to, um, to be raised and to raise up others? Yes, but it's a more costly. It's more costly not to. All right, next up, we got Jay Kim, author of Analog Christian. What does it mean uh, to be an analog Christian in a digital world? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. We talk a lot about the digital world. We talk a lot about digital reality. Let's talk about the analog world and what it means to be an analog Christian in an analog church. Jay Kim is back. He's the lead pastor of teaching at Westgate Church in Silicon Valley. He's a teacher in residence at the Vintage Faith Church in Santa Cruz, California. And he is joining us today with his new project, new book, which is Analog Christian, Cultivating Contentment, Resilience, and Wisdom in the Digital Age. Jay, welcome back. Thanks so much, Carmen. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right, so I want to take a couple of steps back before we launch into a conversation about the new book, Analog Christian. Let's go back to the word analog and to the reality of analog and talk about that. Sure. Yeah, by analog, I just mean, you know, the most baseline definition of the word, tactile, physical, embodied. The theological word for it would be incarnational. You know, this word we use to talk about God coming down to be with us. We celebrated every Christmas, Emmanuel, God with us. And what that means is God came in analog. He didn't come as an idea. He obviously didn't come as a tweet or a text message or an email. He came as a human baby. That's what I mean by analog, that uh, one, as the church, and two, as followers of Jesus, ultimately as human beings made by a God who made us for a tactile, physical, embodied reality, uh, that that's the most fully human way to live. I think of this as, you know, Jesus with some flesh on. Like, right. And when yes. we, and even when you talk about analog church and then when we're going to talk about analog Christian, there is a actually get in the presence physically of one another. And that is a helpful way for me to think about all of this. OK, so analog church is a gift that you gave us in the form of a book a couple of years ago. Remind us about that. And in short, I would say, you know, it's it's this reminder that we're not really Christians if we're all by ourselves. And I can't love Jesus if I don't love the bride. And I can't really love the bride if I never go and participate in the reality of of local church. So talk with us a little bit about analog church. 
Yeah, that's exactly right, Carmen. I think you said it well. You know, we live in what is the most autonomous, individualistic culture and society really in human history here in the modern, late modern West and specifically here in America. It's all about me and my rights and do not infringe, do not impose. Uh, And, you know, I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. There is some good to that. But I do think that it has really detrimental effects on how we think about the church. I think many Americans and many people, again, in the modern Western world have come to believe that the church is uh, simply another product to be consumed. And this is why we have the phenomenon of church shopping and church hopping. And again, listen, I'm not against, you know, going on a thoughtful search to find a church community um, where you sense that God is really, truly calling you. But it gets really dangerous when we begin to think about the church as a product to be consumed because we start thinking about it like Netflix. You know, we have the endless queue of shows and movies that we think we'll eventually watch, but we never do. Or we jump on for five minutes and the show doesn't captivate us uh, right away and we just turn it off and on to the next. And I think when we approach the church and the bride of Christ that way, with this utter lack of deep commitment, we never fully realize the gift that the church is intended to be. That as we commit ourselves in real time and in real place and in real ways, not just watch it from the comfort of your sofa on Sunday morning all on your own, Uh, or with your family, but to embed yourself in the life of a real community, to make the effort to show up and to be with one another. When we fail to do that, uh, we never tap in fully into the gift that is the church. Um, And that gift is so many things, but one of the things is that God shapes us and forms us and transforms us um, as we do the hard work of showing up and committing. You know, it's a lot like going to the gym. I mean, you know, I can watch YouTube videos of exercise routines all I want, but until I make the effort uh, to participate in my physical uh, body, you know, my body will never change. I'll know everything there is to know about exercise, but my body will just stay the same or it'll, it'll regress. And so it is with the church, which is why, you know, like you said, a couple of years ago, I wrote Analog Church uh, to argue for that point that we have to do the work of showing up and embedding ourselves in the life of a local church community so that God might transform us collectively and individually. So the church is a body of believers made up of many parts and We all need to be present and functional and active. We're going to talk about the parts of the body, what it looks like to be an analog Christian. We're talking with Jay Kim. You can find him at jkimthinks.com. More in just a moment. What, uh, What does it look like to be and live as an analog Christian? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show we do on the Faith Radio Network every day. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources waiting for you to take advantage of and share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. Be sure to check us out on social media as well. Um, This is a community of believers, and we gather together here and We all need prayer, and, well, we'd love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer. We pray for specific requests every single week when we gather on Tuesdays and Thursdays as a staff. So share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website 
at MyFaithRadio.com and then be assured of our prayers for you in the spirit of Christ. Check it all out at MyFaithRadio.com. Now I'm alive and born again, rescued from the grave. All right, rejoining our conversation now with Jay Kem, author of a brand new book, Analog Christian. Where are we going here, Jay? Because I, I think that I recognize all of the negative influences of digital technology on my spiritual life, not least of which that they're just a constant distraction from paying any real time and attention to sort of the deep things. But where are you taking us in Analog Christian? Yeah, you know, the book is less critique of our cultural moment. And really, my hope is that it is a, um, a very accessible uh, path forward. And so, you know, the book came out of my own reckoning, my own dealing with my own digital addictions. And it's interesting that word addiction comes from a Latin word that was used at the time of Jesus as a legal term for a slave. And so I think many of us can relate, you know, whether we want to admit it or not. I think many of us feel not just addicted, but enslaved to our digital devices and our online lives, this sort of incessant, insatiable need to constantly check our smartphones and our social media feeds. Um, you know, the data shows that the average smartphone user spends about three hours a day on their smartphone and unlocks, locks and unlocks their phone more than 150 times a day, which is just wild to think about. Um, so we, we are, I think, you know, for the most part, maybe not everybody, but many of us, if not most, are addicted, whether we want to admit it or not, which means we are enslaved. And I think the scriptures, you know, in their timeless gift of truth, they offer us a beautiful path forward. And so for me, as I was beginning to do that work for myself in my own life, I stumbled upon uh, the Apostle Paul's beautiful words in Galatians 5, this passage near the end of that chapter that we often call um, the fruit of the Spirit passage, you know, where he says uh, essentially that as the Spirit of God does his work in us, it develops in us this fruit, which is characterized by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And these attributes and characteristics of the Spirit um, they are diametrically opposed, but more than that, I believe I've come to believe that they are the antidotes we need, uh, to free ourselves from our enslavement to our digital devices, which leads to all sorts of things like despair and comparison and contempt and impatience and hostility and outrage and indulgence and all those things. So that's really what the book offers. It's a way of pragmatically, um, looking at the scriptures and asking the spirit of God to come alive in us in such a way that he might bear the sort of fruit that frees us from our enslavement to, um, you know, our digital addictions. I love the use of this passage from Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. It's an invitation. It's a hope set before us. It's a reality into which we can live. And it's this, it's something that can be measured. Like I can measure fruit. I can measure fruitfulness. Yes. Um, I can actually look at, look at my life and say, okay, um, over the course of time, am I cultivating these fruits, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And, you know, can I see those as evidence of the spirit's work in my life? 
Um, am I actively cooperating with the Holy Spirit in the cultivation of these particular fruits? Am I, do I have a life that's producing these fruits in ever greater abundance? And Jay, I got to tell you, I can look at some of those and say, hmm, that, that particular fruit, not so much. So talk right. with us about <laughs> the process, because you do talk about this, this slow and steady process. Can you talk a little bit yes. about that? Yeah, there's a there's a lot to say here. Uh, I'll say a couple of things. One, um, it is fruit, right? It is not a TV dinner. So in the digital age in particular, uh, that's mostly what we want to do. We want to be able to microwave everything, meaning uh, pop it in the microwave, push a couple of buttons, and then 90 seconds later, we have what we believe is a fully cooked meal. Um, but as we all know, you know, the best meals are never microwaved. They are cooked slowly over time. And it's the same thing with fruit. There's no way to microwave fruit. You know, uh, my wife and I, we have a small orange tree in our front yard and, um, it would be wonderful if I watered it on a Tuesday and by Wednesday, I always had these fully ripe, beautiful oranges. That would be great, but that's not how it works. Um, the oranges come in season. It takes not days or weeks. It takes months for me to have just a handful of edible, delicious, sweet oranges. But there is a wonderful sort of satisfaction in that. That's very different than a microwavable meal. And so it is the fruit of the spirit, not the TV dinner of the spirit. You have to, like you said, Carmen, you have to go slow. You have to be patient. You have to consistently water and give it light and uh, allow the roots to grow deep. You know, it's communal in that way. And also the second thing I would say is if you continue reading that Galatians 5 passage, Paul describes sort of how this fruit is cultivated in us. And he says in verse 25, if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. And that phrase, keep in step in the English, in the original text of uh, in the original language of the text, Koine Greek, it's actually a single word, and it was a military term. It was a military term used to describe very specifically how the Roman army, which was the ultimate fighting force of the day, undefeated in battle, how the Roman army would uh, have all of these different military alignments. And so you can Google this. There are all these artist renderings of how the Roman army, they would, with immense discipline and effort, they would stand in these really impenetrable alignments with their shields and their spears, and the enemy couldn't get through, but it took a lot of work. They would have to practice, uh, rehearse, um, train, and they would have to, all of them together, every soldier, uh, keep in step with one another, move together as one. And I think that's how it happens with the Spirit of God. We cannot expect that we will just live our lives uh, the way we want to live them, and then on a whim, like as if the Spirit of God is a genie in a, in a bottle, just say, okay, I need a little bit more love right now, snap our fingers and have more love. That's not how it works. We have to live consistently every moment of every day in step with the spirit, moving in alignment with God, living a life of union with God, every moment of every day, trying our best, putting forth effort, participating with the spirit of God to be the sorts of people in whom God by his spirit can cultivate uh, his fruit, which again, you know, comes slowly um, over time. So there isn't an easy answer. It's hard work and it will take a lifetime 
but I have found even in just the few short years where I have tried to really lean into this, uh, it's more than worth it, you know, to experience the freedom that God offers us by his spirit. Okay, Jay, favorite slow cooked recipe. Oh my goodness. You know, my wife and I, um, have this favorite Italian restaurant up in San Francisco, which is a short drive from where we live. And uh, we had this um, bolognese sauce there Mm -hmm. several years ago. And Mm -hmm. so we've replicated that at home. And if you know anything about bolognese, it's like an all day endeavor. Uh, You know, you got to cook it slow, you know, low and slow, low heat and and slowly over time. You got to constantly mind it. You got to constantly stir so it doesn't burn. Uh, But it is so worth it. And the aroma that it fills in the house, it's just beautiful. So that's the first one that comes to mind. And uh, it's making me a little hungry right now. Right. (laughs) So we have one of our sons is um, he knows how to use a smoker. And the smoked oh, meats yes. that he makes, I got to tell you, but talk about like slow, long process, um, yes. but delicious, yeah. delicious. So yes. I really do appreciate the low and slow, even though I recognize that when I am cooking, I feel like efficiency is really important. And so I'm, right. I, uh, I am flawed when it comes to this, but I completely appreciate <laughs> I the too. need for the flavor, for the flavors to be layered and developed over time. Um, and that is certainly true in terms of the cultivation of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So, Jay, what a delight. Thank you so much. The book is Analog Christian. You also want to check out Analog Church. You can visit directly with Jay online at jkimthinks.com. Hey, we appreciate you being here. Thank you so much, Carmen. It was joy. Absolutely. We'll talk with you again. That's Jay Kim. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. Well, I have a real treat for us this morning. Dr. Corbin Hornbeek is joining us. He is the brand new president of the University of Northwestern, St. Paul. He comes to us from a position serving as the vice president for university advancement at Azusa Pacific University. Prior to that, um, he spent uh, a decade with the Navigators, a ministry with which many of you will be familiar. Um, And... um, He's been engaged in Young Life and Wildlife Clubs, one-on-one mentorship and group discipleship settings with students. It's, uh, it's thrilling to welcome him today to the media side of the ministry of the University of Northwestern St. Paul. So, Dr. Corbin Hornbeek, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Well, good morning, Carmen. Uh, absolute uh, privilege to be here with you this morning. Uh, thank you so much for your warm welcome. I've been uh, just really overwhelmed by the welcome of the University of Northwestern, Northwestern media community the last. So that today begins uh, day uh, one of week four on the job. And uh, I can just say uh, what an incredible experience it has been. My wife, Heather, and I have been so welcome. So thank you for the privilege of joining you this morning on air and uh, great to uh, meet you and, and get to know our listeners. And I'm looking forward to that over the next uh, many, many years. All right. So if you're listening right now, that's your invitation to text us. Um, text a greeting, a welcome. Maybe you're a UNW alumni. Maybe you want to greet uh, Dr. Hornbeek from somewhere around the world where you're listening this morning so he knows the full reach and breadth and scope of this ministry. Go ahead and text us 
Um, any message you want to, 877-933-2484. Um, let's do this. Let's get to know each other a little bit. Um, I am a morning person. Would you describe yourself as a morning person or a night owl? Uh Carmen, definitely a, a morning person. So, uh, you know, probably like you, I wake up early. I'm I'm generally up at four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. Uh, I have enjoyed uh, being here in Minnesota. We have a home that backs up to uh, some nature. Uh, coming from Southern California, we did not have that uh, in <laughs> Southern California. Kind of Southern California, you live on top of everybody, and you're looking, you know, to your neighbor's uh, living room practically. So. Uh, you know, being here in Minnesota, we, we've purchased a home that looks back to a couple of ponds and some trees, and it's just absolutely beautiful. So waking up early in the morning here has been, uh, <laughs> it's been wonderful. Uh, is the sunrise and you see a little bit of mist over the pond and, and uh, have our quiet time with a cup of coffee to start the day. Okay, well, that was going to be my second question, coffee or tea. So you've answered that. Yeah. Yes, um, and yeah, how do you take coffee. your coffee? How do you take you know, your coffee? Straight black, nothing in mm-hmm. it. I am, I am mm-hmm. easy. You know, when we go through the Starbucks line, my wife and daughter have, a, you know, the, the foo-foo drinks and everything on top of it uh, <laughs> mixed in with oat milk and ice, this and all that. No, I'm, I'm really easy, just straight black coffee. I love it. I love it. <laughs> okay. Um, so when you, when you think back uh, to when you were a child or a teenager, first of all, give us some context. Where were you and who and what formed your thinking? Yeah, so uh, both my parents were from New York City, and they were transplants to the Pacific Northwest. Long story about how they got there, but we we grew up in the Pacific Northwest, a little town of not so little anymore, but Bellingham, Washington, which is about 85 miles north of Seattle. And if you're looking at the map, yeah, it's about 20 miles south of the Canadian border. So we grew up, it really was kind of the last stop on the road, but a very idyllic and beautiful location right on Puget Sound. In fact, our home uh, looked out to the water in the San Juan Islands, and it was really a, a beautiful, beautiful spot for us to grow up. Uh, nobody lives there anymore. Uh, the entire family is scattered around to different parts of the country. Um, but that's where I grew up. Uh, my mom and dad uh, raised four of us kids. Um, and, and Carmen, we may get into this in a little bit. But my mom was the first person in our family to come to faith in Christ. And as she grew in her faith, uh, that was a little bit later in life for her. The kids were already kind of off and running in so many ways, but she began to just pray and pray mm. for her kids. And it was not by any stretch of the imagination an immediate transformation. Uh, there are three boys in our family, and all three of us came to faith uh, while we were in college. And so mm. uh, our family did not begin with those deep spiritual roots, but my mom was the first person to come to faith and and uh, prayed her three sons into the kingdom. I love that. Um, so talk a little bit about that. Talk about, so you're, you're in college. Where are you in college? And, and talk a little bit about this process of, um, of, of coming to faith in Jesus Christ. You bet. So I went to the University of Michigan and uh, did not go to Michigan, as you might suspect, uh, to find Jesus. Uh, I would say absolutely Jesus found me at the University of Michigan. And I was living on a hall. Uh, can you imagine the, a place as big as the University of Michigan, and and I would say in God's sovereign goodness and his plan, placed me in a dorm, placed me on a hall where there were a group of guys who were involved in Campus Crusade living at the opposite end of the hall. 
And one day there was a knock on my dorm room door and uh, there was a guy that I recognized from the other end of my hall who asked if I would be interested in answering some questions related to spiritual matters. And I thought, well, sure, I can probably answer these questions and he'll go away. And um, that began a conversation and really a, a deep soul searching for me where I had to come to grips with the fact that uh, there was either, either a God in this world or there wasn't. Um, it, it wasn't, for me at that point in my life, Carmen, uh, th- there wasn't any real room for agnosticism. That seemed like taking the easy way out in some ways. I had to really answer that question. Is there a God or isn't there? Um, he either exists or he doesn't. And I had to I had to answer that question because, you know, for all of us, how we answer that question is is the most consequential decision that we will ever make in life. And how we answer that question will shape our decisions and our choices and our, our sense of, of calling and purpose in this world. And so I, I really figured if there was a God in this world, uh, he, would, he would make that clear. He would care and he would make that clear. So if you remember back in the 80s, Campus Crusade was using uh, this little booklet called The Four Spiritual Laws. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first spiritual law, uh, which I will never forget because I really wrestled with it, the first spiritual law in that little booklet uh, is that God loves you and offers you a wonderful plan for your life. And I had to first get past the idea that if there was a God in this world, uh, what would that look like, that he would love me? What would it look like that he would have a wonderful plan for my life, and how would that unfold? So uh, my freshman year, um, I came to that point by about Christmas uh, where I had no choice except to to just bow before our Creator and uh, give my life to Jesus. And so... You know, my, my time at University of Michigan was, was really an incredible experience of growing in my faith and, and developing life-giving relationships and, and uh, yeah, just a, just a remarkable four years at Michigan. I love that. Also, we're going to segue here in just a moment to a conversation about higher education. I mean, obviously for you, um, a significant event in your life took place on a college campus, and we're going to talk about your passion for higher ed here in a minute, but I want to share with you greetings that are coming in on the text line. If you want to send your personal greetings to Dr. Corbin Hornbeek this morning, you can do so at 877-933-2484. Jim from Simsbury, Connecticut, uh, checking in. Hey there, Corbin. I hope you uh, do all you can within your power to grow the reach of Faith Radio. More terrestrial stations, please. Well, there you go. See, yeah, pe- <laughs> people, are, people are people are quick to uh, to want more. So, uh, good morning from Top Sail, North Carolina. So, good morning, um, good morning to you out there. And and then we have Anne uh, checking in. She is right there, local to you. I know Anne quite well. Um, during the season, she will bring you rhubarb from her garden. Hey, and you, there we go. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing yeah. better than than fresh rhubarb pie, right? Anne is a Anne is a good friend to have. Um, so she says, "Welcome to Minnesota, and welcome to Northwestern University and Faith Radio." So, if Wonderful. you want to send Dr. Hornbeek your personal greetings, you can do so eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. Let's talk about. Um, why you are in higher ed, because there has to be a why behind wanting to not only engage with students um, at Azusa Pacific, but now as the new president of UNW. You bet. Carmen, great, uh, great question. Uh, You know, the last couple of years have been really, really difficult uh, for everybody, Uh, but they've also been very difficult on uh, the industry of education as a whole and extremely difficult on private uh, higher education, and, and that pertains to Christian 
private higher education as well. So, uh, you know, the last couple of years, uh, uh, there's been no industry um, across the board that's been more affected um, by what we have heard of being called as the great resignation uh, than, than education. I, by education, I mean broadly K-12, uh, K through college and university. Uh, we have seen people leave the work of education um, in droves. And uh, so uh, there have been many of us who have stayed in and we've really had to ask ourselves the question, well, is this my time to stay? Is this my time to leave? Uh, if I leave, what would I do? If I stay, what would I do? And so I can, I can say, you know, Carmen, for myself, that I've, I've done a lot of soul searching to, during this, the last several years. Coming from Azusa Pacific University, which is in Los Angeles County and L.A., uh, the industry of education was really devastated in many ways by the, the pandemic. We were closed down for about a year and a half. And so, uh, of course, who's going to uh, pay for a private uh, education uh, when mm-hmm. you are doing that online? So. Um, so the, the why for me, it really brought me back to, uh, a deep soul searching of the why and the value proposition of Christian higher education. Um, interestingly enough, Carmen, there's been some, I read an article recently called the great regret, uh, and the great regret, uh, describes, uh, those perhaps who, uh, have decided that their decision to leave and go work somewhere else or do something else maybe wasn't such a great decision after all, um, mm-hmm. The, the importance of Christian higher education cannot be underscored more in this world. I'm more excited uh, about the opportunity to serve in Christian higher education, Christian private higher education today than ever before. And here's why. This world uh, is in need uh, of leaders. Uh, every generation has a responsibility to, uh, to reproduce uh, young men and women who will be uh, world changers, uh, young men and women who uh, who respond to the call of God on their life, who are willing to uh, to dig deep into their lives and understand uh, what it is that God is is calling them to do, how God has designed them, how God has made them. We think of some of the the big, great classical questions of of our, our existence: Who am I? Uh, who is God? What is His? Uh, what is his purpose in the world and how do I align myself with those things? So as the world becomes more and more complex, I know there is a tendency to want to make things more simple. Um, and, and some of that is okay and some of that's good. But I think the reality is that we're living in a very complex world. Uh, and the complex world that we're living in is going to require um, young men and women who have the uh, uh, the spirit of God in them that have the the character and moral uh, grounding uh, who have the faith to look at the world and to believe that God has called them uh, to make a difference in this world. Mm-hmm. I love uh, the the idea that the that the that the Christian community, those of us who are called to follow Christ. Um, are called to engage in culture, and I know yeah. that might be a bit of a of a bit of a lightning rod conversation for some people, but I believe firmly that God has called us to engage in culture and to transform culture and to make a difference in this world and in some ways that calls us to um, to identify the great needs of the world and to prepare leaders who are equipped uh, to to solve those problems and bring God's uh, redemptive purposes and his redemptive work uh, to a world in great need. So 
I'm so, I'm excited. Uh, I'm more excited than ever to be involved in Christian higher education. We're thrilled to um, to have you here talking with us today, Dr. Hornbeek. And you're going to really like this show because um, we engage the conversations of the culture every single day. We Fantastic. are learning to be culture um, gardeners and uh, and kingdom ambassadors. So we're going to continue Good. our conversation with Dr. Corbin Hornbeek here in just a moment. Um, thank you for those of you who are sending him greetings on the text line 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. You got me singing like All right, we've got uh, greetings rolling in for Dr. Corbin Hornbeek, who has just joined us as the brand new president of the University of Northwestern. We have a greeting here from Jacqueline from Minneapolis. She says, welcome, Dr. Hornbeek. We know, and she puts that in quotes because I think, you know, they intimately know, right? <laughs> UNWSP, through its music education for young students, PSEO courses, and the concerts and drama events along with Faith Radio, keep up the wonderful work. Wonderful. And then we have a friend uh, checking in from Denver. Hello from Denver. Welcome to Northwestern, Dr. Hornbeek. Tell us your thoughts on a college having a media network. So, Dr. Hornbeek, tell us your thoughts on you know, a college having a media network. Oh, Carmen, that is a great question. I, I love it. And, um, and I'll say this, that, uh, that uh, the fact that uh, the University of Northwestern and Northwestern Media are one organization had a lot to do with my, uh, my attraction to this role. Um, so coming to uh, Minneapolis and Minnesota from Los Angeles, uh, you, you realize this is a media-saturated world, and media is one of the great vehicles uh, for reaching uh, for reaching the world. Now, uh, it's also uh, complex, right? I mean, we uh, we have very mixed feelings about the world of media and the messages that come uh, through media to our kids and our families, and we have to be discerning about what we watch and and how we consume media and all of that. However. I think that in this this next uh, iteration of what God is doing in the world, um, we're seeing the, a level of creativity and we're seeing a level of engagement uh, in the world and not just pushing messages out to the world through media, but engaging people in uh, really, really important conversations about things that need to be discussed uh, through the world of media. So I am, uh, I am extremely drawn to this role and this position as president uh, because of the, the footprint that, uh, that Northwestern Media provides. I also, um, I also love that, um, that it's connected to a university and that the university and the media get to uh, have this relationship together. They're not separate, but one organization. They are. They are um, one organization, and we love that as well um, and look forward to all kinds of ways that um, that we can cultivate, strengthen, and grow um, the reach of the University of Northwestern through the media ministry as well. 
All right, so we got a, a couple of other greetings um, rolling in. Mary uh, says, oh, well, so one of the things I always ask Dr. Hornbeek every single day is where in the word are you today? People are listening all over the world, but I am more concerned that uh, we would be in the word of God Amen. before we get out there into the world that he so loves. So I'm always asking, um, you know, listeners, where in the word are you? So Mary is checking in today from Isaiah 58, verse 11. Mm. The Lord will guide you continually giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. So thank I you, Mary, that. for that word this morning. And then uh, somebody checking in um, here um, from South Dakota, Ruby Jean, out for a ride in a, I don't know, Paul uh, there in the studio is going to have to show you the super fancy pictures <laughs> of this very old green car she's driving. So there you go. Thank it. you. Um, thank you for all of that. Well, Dr. Hornbeek, any, um, you've got like a minute left. You sure. want to just um, cast a, a vision of hope? Yeah, you bet. Um, Colossians 1, uh, 28. Back to your questions. Where in the word are you today? Uh, Colossians 1, 28 is where I'm in the word today. Uh, we proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. And that word perfect uh, in the Greek really means mature. It doesn't mean perfect without sin, but it, it has a sense of, of growing and, and maturity. So as I think at the University of Northwestern, Northwestern Media, um, uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you to Dr. Kiriton for leaving mm. this place in such good shape. Uh, that is not the case in higher education across America in so many situations. So uh, Dr. Kiriton and I have become uh, fast friends over the last several weeks and months. Uh, grateful to him and his wife, Gail, for their warm welcome. Um, someone recently used the word uh, stagility, and I love that word. It's, it's the, it carries with it the idea of, of being both stable and agile. Uh, so as we're thinking about a hopeful future, um, we're, we're so blessed uh, to be part of an organization that is, uh, first and foremost, stable. Uh, stable because it's anchored in our mission. Uh, stable because it's uh, uh, stable in so many ways that other places are not. Stable financially, and we're grateful to all of our listeners who support uh, this ministry and this work. Uh, as we think about the future and a hopeful future, uh, we also must be agile. And uh, I love the idea of the, of the gospel that it's, it's, on the one hand, the most uh, Countercultural uh, reality, spiritual reality, um, and yet it's it's the most relevant. It's the most. It will always be relevant, and yet it will also be countercultural. And I think as we look to the future, uh, we will live in that intersection uh, of the gospel and look forward to the the gospel transforming lives uh, through Northwestern Media, through University of Northwestern. I love it. Dr. Corbin Hornbeek, thank you so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. He brings us a where in the word from Colossians 128, and he brought us a word of the day, stagility, stable and agile. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. All right. I appreciate that you are continuing to send in greetings to our new president, Dr. Corbin Hornbeek. So thank you to David, who says congratulations and welcome from a local listener since 1998. Um, Ed Poff uh, sends in this message. Um, I'm very proud of you. I pray that God will use your many gifts to accomplish exactly what he intends at the university 
And, uh, and Jim in Simsbury, Connecticut, again, says, well, praise the Lord for the search committee for finding him because he seems like just the perfect fit. All right, as you walk your faith out there in the world that God so loves, let's be doing so in ways that honor Jesus. You should check out what's going on at MyFaithRadio.com. You should share this podcast with someone else. You can do that uh, most easily by downloading the Faith Radio app. It's really easy to share the show from there. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.